0: The Ain't No Fang podcast.
1: From Arizona Sports, Ain't No Fang.
0: Well, the first series of the season is now over. There were some dramatics, but there are definitely a lot more bad things to note. I'm Steve Zinsmeister, Cody Fincher with me as well on the Ain't No Fang podcast. And like I mentioned, we are recording this just after the finish to game four against the San Diego Padres. And boy, oh boy, was the offense
1: lacking in this series. It was gone. It was not there at all. I mean, outside. Okay, the ninth inning today. It looks a little bit more respectable. Respectable. Uh, The the D backs put up four runs in the ninth inning of the series finale against the Padres. They still lost ten to five. Right. Ten to five. Man. It's just not It's not gone well at all.
0: Well, and if you consider, too, maybe we're burying the lead up a little bit, but on opening day, Seth Beer hits that, that walk-off home run. Yeah, but if he hadn't have done that... Yeah. Oh, my gosh. If they'd he hadn't and, had that
1: one swing... They'd be 0-4 with scoring... Okay, they scored 5, He seven, was literally zero.
0: all of their offense in Game 1. Well, I mean, the wild pitch scored a run, so I guess he, that doesn't count for him. But, I mean, to your point the offense that has appeared in, for this team in this series was in the ninth inning in either garbage time or in clutch time. They've scored 11 total runs in these four games.
1: Correct. Um, Only four home runs. They were almost games. no hit twice in games one and two. You Darvish had a no hitter. And I, I can't remember what inning he got pulled in the seventh. I think it might've been after the seventh inning. he walked four guys. Sean Manaya was great in his Padres debut he got pulled at 88 pitches yep and I think that was after seven poor by the way poor Tim Hill the left-handed reliever for the for the Padres he comes in in both games and gives up the game uh, the D-backs first hit in both games so he ended both of the no hitters um but yeah I mean yeah you're right outside of Seth beer that one swing on national beer day by the way that was pretty cool can't write it any better than that um man it, it, they the diamondbacks would be 0 and 4 um no question um and this this team would just be i mean it's kind of i mean it's only been 4 games and i'm like man it's going to be a long summer already 15 hits in 116 at bats for a batting average of 129 oh, in the first series oh they requ- they didn't have a hit off a starting pitcher until yesterday yeah i mean jeez like on the one tell Marte has been not very good to start the year but like he he has a couple hits now he doubled today um and I think he walked a, uh another time but I mean he's also looked bad on defense um he's made a cut he made an error today he's bobbled a couple balls out there Perdomo had an error today a throwing error on a routine ground ball to short Ellis had that terrible terrible throw from third. Um, I can't remember if that was game two or game, I think it was game two and Hosmer sk- ended up scoring a run. It was a free run. I don't know what Ellis thought, like the ball was going to go foul and it wasn't even close to going foul. And he picked up the ball and the runner was already at basically at first base and he still threw it and he threw it away. Um, It's just been, it's been bad. Carson Kelly today in game four of the series let two. I mean, it's hard to block a pitch obviously, but, it looked like two pitches that he could have gotten down and blocked got away from him because he tried to backhand it, and they both scored runs on back-to-back wild pitches on back-to-back pitches. So like the defense just hasn't been there to start, and that's what that's honestly like what the like Tori Lavello and Mike Hazen will tell you. That's what their like core philosophy is: is defense, defense and pitching. And man, that defense has not been good so far.
0: On the other hand, I'll point out a positive the walks
1: for some of these hitters.
0: Uh, yeah. Yep.
1: Just doing, some they're getting quick on math. base dude. And like it's two, two is it's four, not seven,
0: eight plus five is 13 plus six is 19, 19 walks in four games that's pretty darn
1: good they walked like that they walked what in today's series finale nine? nine times and they scored and they ended up scoring five runs but none of the I feel like none of those walks scored maybe a couple of them did yeah but. but
0: what's interesting is that you and I talked about this I think the last two weeks that we've done the podcast guys like Geraldo Perdomo and Paven Smith Cooper Hummel some of these guys that are starting to make their appearances have really great understandings of the strike zone well look at the guys that I just mentioned. Cooper Hummel, two walks in two games. Um, Geraldo Perdomo, five walks, including, I believe, three today. Mm-hmm. Um, two of them for Pave and Smith, four of them for Dalton Varsho. I'm not saying that walking is, is the greatest thing ever and it's the new sliced bread, but, I mean, it's a good thing that they seem to be at least having an understanding of the strike zone and getting on base. I'd like to see them hit I more mean, they and have, drive those guys in.
1: They have patient hitters. They have pitchers that know the strike zone, right? Um and it's a lot of it's coming from their young guys, so that's good to see. The young guys have a good, you know, knowledge of the strike zone, are able to pick up pitches and but yeah, but that you walked nine times today and maybe what two of them might have scored today. That's just not good enough. They are Uh, second in the league in walks right
0: now behind one team. The San Diego (laughs) Padres
1: who have twenty. Oh my gosh. Of course. But like crazy, yeah. You can walk all you want, but you got to be able to drive the guys in.
0: Yeah, that's
1: crazy. You know, like walking's fine. They get on base, whatever. But if you can't drive them in, what's the point? After four
0: games, the Arizona Diamondbacks are fourth to last in on-base percentage at .257, Mm -hmm. and batting average. Hold on, let me scroll all the way to the bottom. Oh, yeah, there they are, dead last, thirtieth, one twenty nine average. I mentioned oh,
1: earlier. Gosh, that's after four games. I don't want to overreact. Yeah, I don't either. It's a one hundred sixty two game season. But man, and like, and the Padres, to be honest, like, have a really good starting rotation. Yeah, I mean, you Darvish, you Darvish, Sean Minaya, um Joe Musgrove. Yesterday, pitched on the anniversary of a no hitter he threw last year. It was supposed to be Blake Snell today, but he got scratched at the last second.
0: Okay, wait. Let's talk about that for a second. Because I had a conversation with my co-host, Mitch Varellis, on Arizona Sports Saturday. That was after Game 2. And he was ticked. And a lot of fans, a lot of D-backs fans were ticked that Seth Beer was not in the lineup for Game 2. After he had the only good offensive play in, in, for the entire team on opening day, the walk-off home run. Mm-hmm. I had played it off on Saturday Saturday as, you know what, they're facing Sean Manaya, lefty-lefty matchup. There's not a lot of places in the lineup for this team to switch guys out to get righties in because you think about it, they switched out their DH. They put Cooper Hummel in, and he's a switch hitter. You can't really take out David Peralta because you don't have better options in left field. You can't really take out Varsho because no one else plays center field. Yeah. So they were looking for places to fit a righty in the lineup, and that was my argument. And also, Seth Beer's only been in the league for like six games. It's not like he's David Ortiz. He hasn't uh, solidified himself as the DH of this team yet. And then we saw today Blake Snell was supposed to pitch. Mm -hmm. A lefty. And Seth Beer's not in the lineup. But then Snell gets scratched seemingly while he's walking out to the mound almost. (laughs) About as late as you could possibly scratch a guy. And Seth Beer's not in the lineup. And then they end up facing a righty.
1: I mean, at that point, though, you can't even... You can't change your lineup because you they've probably already exchanged the lineup cards yeah um and that's a little frustrating as a team i would which think. i'm sure that's the first that Tori lovello saw of blake snell not starting you know like he looks at the lineup card and goes wait what what's going on and i i mean i don't know what the rules are if bob melvin had to disclose that earlier or what i don't know should the diamondbacks get an opportunity to switch <laughs> up the lineup um based on who the pitcher is i, I don't know the answer i to don't that. know but I mean, I'm not surprised that Seth Beer isn't hitting against lefties. I don't really agree with it yet, but I, I know what you. I know what you're saying. He's a young player. He's a rookie. He's only played in two games uh, so far, one series, and like he, you know, you got to earn your keep and earn your spot to be in the lineup every day. But to me, it's like the Diamondbacks. They're not going to be competing this year. I think it's fair to say that. Um just by the, the, the roster they have assembled and what everyone else has done around them. I would like to see the younger guys like Paven Smith and Seth Beer, who are lefties, get in against left handed pitchers because eventually you're gonna have to you're gonna have to learn how to hit against lefties. I think part of the difficulty
0: is though, especially with Jordan Luplo injured. There's who, no righties that there's they can no even, righties.
1: Ahmed's hurt. Nick Ahmed's hurt. Luplo's hurt. I mean Drew Ellis
0: isn't an everyday
1: player at this point mm -mm. I mean he is right now because they don't
0: have another option I mean the only
1: the only right-handed hitters they have right now are Carson Kelly who's a righty all the time and then whatever switch hitters they have Marte Perdomo and maybe Hummel and and uh, Alcantara I think might be a switch hitter too I don't know Um, but yeah is all the switch hitters that they have can bat right-handed against the lefty sure but that's it. They don't have they outside of them. It's it's Ahmed and Luplo. Oh, Christian Walker. Christian Walker is a right-handed hitter, obviously. But the other thing too,
0: to my point about Seth Beer not being in the lineup every single day, even against lefties. The other thing is, if he's going to play every day, that means he's either playing at DH or maybe first base. There's only so many positions he can be in, and the DH, as you know, especially being new to the National League, is going to be a rotational thing. And you know Torrey Lavello loves to rotate guys in different spots. If you have Seth Beer at DH every single day, that means there's other guys that aren't getting pseudo days off as designated hitter.
1: And, I mean, I'm not surprised either because that's what this is what Torrey Lavello has pretty much done since he was hired. Lefties don't hit against left-handed pitching, really. I mean, ever since Jake Lamb hit, like, 090 whatever against Jake Lamb lefties. is different though he could not hit lefties right I believe Seth Beer can I do too and he has in his
0: small sample I think, size and I
1: think Paven Smith has the ability to, to hit lefties as well um, but I don't know it's just Tori Lavella likes playing matchups and that's what he that's how he's going to manage the team so I think though you could make the argument
0: I'll make the argument right now the home run on opening day for Seth Beer while it doesn't solidify that he is an a player every single day in your lineup, it does help him stay in the major leagues. Because there's nothing that says he couldn't get sent back down at some point during his time here. I mean, you and I didn't even know for sure. We weren't certain that he was going to make the team out of camp. It was not a certainty. We both hoped he would. And I think I even said to you a couple weeks ago, I expect and I hope that Seth Beer is playing in the lineup three nights a week. That that was my bottom line. I was like, "I I want that. And if I get that, I'm good with it. And right now he's on pace for that. He's playing every other day.
1: Yeah. I mean, how often are you going to face a lefty? I think it was just more disappointing on Friday when he hits the walk-off home run. It's a crazy fun moment and it's really cool. And then he's not playing the next day. Yeah. And he pinch hit the next day. He did. He did. He had a chance to actually tie up the game with a home run if he hit another one. But I think just got they want to see him he's already he's already a fan favorite because of his last name yeah let's just be honest like his last name's beer everyone loves and beer. he's a good player he's good and and he came in a trade for a huge player right and, and I think everyone just wants to see those guys like I want to see Seth Beer and Josh Rojas in the lineup every day. I want to see Corbin Martin in the starting rotation hopefully soon yeah um I'd like to see Bukowski's in the bullpen, but he keeps getting hurt so true. Um, well, hopefully he can be a part of that soon if he stays healthy. Um, so, yeah, I, I get people's outrage. Um, I am also guilty of being mad at Seth Beer not playing the next day, even though, I mean, I don't know how he would have fared against Shawn Maniah was dealing that night. Yeah, he kind of I mean, had was, it going. He was so, he was so good um, in, in that second game. Almost had a no-hitter. Um, but just this early spring... With the pitch counts and everything, everyone's getting a quick hook. Tory admitted
0: too, by the way, that he put his lineup together the day before. It's not like he made the lineup that afternoon right, right, right. based on who had the hot hand or whatever. Right.
1: I remember Tori saying a while ago, like they have their lineups kind of predetermined like sure. days in advance. Sure. Um, just based on you know analytics, matchups, and whatnot. So, I mean, it's not like he's like, oh, Seth Beer is gonna sit down today. <laughs> There's a there was a story
0: in Tony Larusa's book about his uh, time with the Cardinals. I think was, I think this was 2011. This happened. There's a story in there. They're at the All Star break. They have one dominant pitcher on the Cardinals at that time. You remember who it
1: was? Chris Carpenter. Chris Carpenter.
0: One dominant pitcher. And the Cardinals are battling with, I want to say it was the Braves, for like a wild card spot. Or They know they're a playoff, they're going to be in playoff contention, but they know it's going to be close. And so at the All-Star break, Tony La Russa decides, I'm not going to pitch Chris Carpenter the first day after the All-Star break. I'm going to set up my rotation mm-hmm. ahead of time, months ahead of time, so that Chris Carpenter is pitching the last game of the season. And he did that on purpose. And it didn't and when it when you rewind and you go back to the all-star break, he was not the first pitcher out of the out of the gate right then after several days off. Mm-hmm. And fan, a lot of fans are like, what what the hell are you doing? right? If you're the Cardinals, you should be pitching Chris Carpenter now so you get as many starts as possible. And Tony Lausa didn't want to do that. He wanted to plan ahead of time so that he knew his best guy was going to be there when it mattered most. I guess the point of the story that I'm relating to this is, Not every lineup card is written based on how yesterday's game went.
1: You know what I mean? And I feel like the rotation adjusting like that is now more of a common practice, too. And no one's surprised when it's... Because, yeah, now everyone can see, like... With the internet and everything, everyone could go ahead and figure out who was going to play when. You know, pretty much, yeah. Basically, barring injury, yeah. And you'd be like, okay, cool. The Diamondbacks want to set up. You know, if they if they were in playoff contention, okay, they want to set up Gallon and Bumgarner. You know what I mean? Like after the All Star break this year, if everyone's healthy, I don't think Zach Gallon's going to be your fifth starter. You know what I mean? He's not going to be in the fifth spot in the rotation. You wouldn't think no. It'd be Bumgarner and Gallon, or Gallon and Bumgarner, who whatever. Um. So yeah, I, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I'm not upset that Seth Beer—I mean, and the more that he plays and does well,
0: the more opportunities he's going to get. I mean, it's that way in any walk of life. The better you do in your job, the more they're going to put on you, and then the more opportunities you have to impress. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm not upset with Seth Beer missing two of the first four games. Um, he did pinch hit in that one game you mentioned. Um, Luke Weaver, as we have mentioned many times on this podcast, this is pretty much a make-or-break moment for him. And they put him in the bullpen to start the season you and I were a little surprised by that because they moved Caleb Smith to the rotation. We can talk about that in a second. But as for Luke Weaver, he got one appearance early in this series, did not go well, and he has now been placed on the injured list with elbow inflammation, which is not the blister issue
1: that no. he was dealing with before. Nope. that is. And last year, he dealt with forearm stuff and I think a UCL injury as well, so more elbow problems for Luke Weaver man it's just it's just not gone well since he's gotten traded here it's just not it has not been a good time. <laughs> he's he's either pitching and you know not pitching well. He's shown flashes though, right? I mean, he's had a couple outings where it's like, okay, that's what they traded for. He had a game last year. When was that? It was mid-year. It was like against the Reds or
0: something. He went seven innings. He was
1: dominant. Yeah, and we were both looking at each other like, where is this? He thre- he, I think he had like seven, like six no-hit innings or something in that in that game. If I'm remembering right. It was real it was a really good outing and it was just like okay cool like about time Luke Weaver that's what we've been waiting for and then just injuries and injuries and not playing well and now he's back on the shelf again I don't know man It was a lot earlier in the season than I thought it was. Well, what April was it?
0: 11th ahead. last year. 7 innings, 1 hit, 8 strikeouts. It was his second start of the season. Mm. 7 innings, 8 strikeouts, they 1 hit. That was against the Reds. You were right. <laughs> you were totally right. I mean, he had a couple other like really good starts. I mean, there was a start against Washington where he went 4 innings, 1 hit, 3 strikeouts. Uh he did have a couple walks in that game though. But yeah, you're right, man. He he shows flashes very <laughs> very rarely. Um but the inconsistency, man. That's what ends up getting him into the bullpen as we've talked about but even recently the Diamondbacks use the bullpen as a stepping stone to the starting rotation. And a lot of organizations do that. I know you've voiced your uh, opinion is that they should just have starters be starters. And then eventually you make the starting rotation. But the way they've chosen to do things is like last year, they demoted Caleb Smith to the bullpen. Yeah. uh, After one start. And honestly, they might do it again. But uh, Luke Weaver is just
1: struggling at this point. Now he's on the injured list. I don't know when we're going to see him again. And, I mean, I'm looking at, and I hate to do this already, it's it's really early in the season. I'm looking at his contract right now. Weaver? Yeah, he's arbitration eligible next year. He'll be 29 next year, and then he's a free agent in 2024 at age 30. He seems like a non-tender option for them. The way that this the way that it's going, has done that? The way that it's going, I mean, you can't... Okay, if you're not counting on him to be a main piece of your rotation or bullpen, okay, you can bring him back and see what see what he's got. If he could be a complimentary piece to that, but like, what they traded uh, Paul Goldschmidt for, in part with Carson Kelly, was Luke Weaver to be a mainstay in the starting rotation. And he has not been that. He's not been able to stay healthy. He's not pitched well it just hasn't been a good experience. It hasn't it hasn't worked. You know what's crazy. It has not about? worked. And I I can totally see them saying, "You know what? We kind of I think you probably need to change the scenery, Luke, and we're kind of ready to move on maybe." I don't know. I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth at the Diamondbacks, the front office or anybody. I'm sure they we all want Luke Weaver to succeed. Mainly me because you gave up Paul Goldschmidt for him and Carson Kelly. But I'm sure they don't want to. They want a reason to not let him go. And I mean, he just can't stay healthy, and he can't stay on the field. He can't. He's not pitching well when he's on the field. I mean, he pitch. He pitched what two thirds of an inning in game one, gave up a run, and then now he's on the injured list. Certainly not the storybook
0: ending that you want. No, um, it sucks. If you had to guess, because he. You mentioned he's going to be 29 next year. He's in his seventh season of Major League Baseball. That's crazy. Crazy to believe. Yeah. Um, He's spent about equal time between the Cardinals and the Diamondbacks. Who do you think he was a better pitcher for without looking at the numbers? Because I'm looking at the numbers.
1: I feel like this could be a trick. I'm going to say he was better for the Diamondbacks. He's been slightly better with the Diamondbacks. (laughs) Not great, though.
0: 4.48 ERA. Certainly not good. Although, when you look at the whip numbers, I mean, his whip with the Diamondbacks is 1.27, which Mm -hmm. is uh, borderline getting to bad, It's like, okay. And then St. Louis, 1.45. So, it's not like he was... uh, A lot of it's... It's not like Shelby Miller. Yeah. Which, ironically, was also a former Cardinal. Um, Shelby Miller had good numbers, came to Arizona, had bad numbers. Right. He had a lot of things wrong with him. And then, but Luke Weaver had potential that they mm. were hoping for. Yeah.
1: And it just hasn't come I to I think a lot of it has had to do with injuries, too. He's been hurt. A lot of it. He's been hurt a lot. A lot since of it. he It doesn't mean here. he's not a talented player. No, I think he's got talent. It's just he can't stay on the field. Yeah. He can't stay healthy. Okay, so let's
0: morph this conversation into Caleb Smith. Okay. Who made the rotation, the starting rotation out of camp, which you and I were both a little surprised by just because of how good of a fit he was as a
1: reliever. And his outing was not so good. Uh, no, he was really bad. Um, okay, so he he had a really good first inning today. <laughs> he was pounding the strike zone. He struck out two guys. He struck out the first batter, Trent Grisham, on three pitches. Um, he got Luke Voigt or Manny Machado, I can't remember, Yeah, Manny Machado to ground out really weakly to first base. Um, and it was like, all right, cool. Caleb Smith, he's pounding the strike zone. Great. And then the next inning, Ketel Marte, the the first hitter, hits a ground ball to Marte. It gets under his glove. He has an error. And then all of a sudden, the wheels came off of Caleb Smith. He couldn't find the strike zone. He walked two guys, loaded the bases, and then gave up a grand slam to Jerickson Profar, and then a solo home run on the next pitch, I believe, to Jorge Alfaro. Um, I think he gave up a grand total of six runs, five runs, five to six runs. Um, I was definitely five, but I can't remember if another guy got on after that, um, and scored, but I mean, man, it's, that's another thing where it's just where this team is in its long term outlook. This year is kind of a throwaway year I, to me. They're not going to be good. They're going to be, they're not going to be competitive. Why is Caleb Smith getting a chance in the starting rotation? Because that's kind of a move where, like, well, he earned it, and it's fine if he earned it, but, like, to me, it's like, I would rather see Corbin Martin, who could be a future piece in this rotation, Yeah, rather than say, well, Caleb earned it, we're going to try to win games. And I... I I guess there's merit in both sides because if a guy earned it, then you want to reward him, right? Yeah, true. Because that's kind of demoralizing if you – like, Caleb Smith pitched well this spring. He did. And last season as a reliever. Yeah, but most of his outings in the spring were out of the bullpen. He had one start, I think, in spring. It was the last day of spring. I think he had a start, and that was it. And I'm looking at the graphic that Bally Sports had um, up there before his start. Last season, listen to this, his record as a starter, 1-8, a 6.95 ERA in 57 innings. He walked 40 guys. As a reliever, 3-1 and one with a 2.70 ERA in 56 and two-thirds innings, walked 23. Just about the same amount of innings, the walk rate's almost cut in half. Yeah. The ERA cut in half. Like... I mean... He's a better reliever. So should he stay in the rotation? Should he get another chance?
0: It's a real catch-22 because the way that they handle the bullpen, we talked about they use it as a stepping stone to the to the rotation. Yeah. They demoted him last year to the bullpen. He was... After one start. He was vocal about his displeasure with that not in like a jazz chisel kind of way No, he was
1: mad yeah he was disappointed yeah exactly outwardly disappointed with the decision and he goes to the bullpen and does
0: what you just said he was great as a reliever very well what more can you really ask from him right yeah he did what you asked of him so then he earns that opportunity that's the one side but then on the other side you're like well if he's successful as a reliever then use him as a reliever it's right. kind of the Archie Bradley thing, isn't right. it? Because remember, Archie Bradley got demoted to the bullpen, and then he became one of the more beloved relievers. I still argue he wasn't as great as everyone thought he was, <laughs>
1: but he was one of their better relievers for a time. And if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure Archie was kind of vocal about him wanting, he wanted at first to get back into the starting rotation. Who doesn't? Because, yeah, as a pitcher, who doesn't want to start games? Do you, did you ever notice in the draft,
0: nobody ever gets drafted as a relief pitcher? No. You're a starting pitcher or a position player, and then so, over There's time you become very a reliever.
1: Select few like Ryan Burr for ASU. I don't remember. I don't know if you remember him. He was their closer. Yeah, he got drafted, and he's still a reliever. Sure. So, but it's not that many. But my point is, most guys are starters. A lot of starters get converted yeah, to relievers because they throw hard. They can't go seven innings a lot of times. Yeah, <laughs> and then they they lose the strike zone after a while. Maybe. You know, um, but if you channel
0: all your energy into those what twenty pitches a night. Yeah. And you do that two, three nights a week instead of one night a week, all of a sudden you've got a career. Caleb Smith can have a really respectable career as a reliever. By the way, there's tons of job security in being
1: a left-handed reliever in Major League Baseball. Sure. I mean, this team doesn't have anybody. Even with the three batter rule, there still is. Totally, there's there's still merit in it. Totally, Um, it's not especially a good one. It's not as much as it was before that rule was in, because you'd come in for one batter and then could get taken out. Yeah, Um, I agree. I agree. It's not as much of a specialist anymore. You have to be able to get out, get right-handed hitters out too. Like remember, I mean, like
0: Arthur Rhodes
1: used to get uh, Darren
0: Oliver. Those guys were 42 years old and still getting jobs yeah. in bullpens because the league wants left-handed relief pitching. Yep. Caleb's I'm I'm talking about longevity there obviously, but sure. Caleb Smith was a good reliever last year. He's a good reliever, not a good starter. It's just what it is. Does it mean that he doesn't doesn't deserve more starts?
1: Not necessarily. They might give him a couple more.
0: Yeah. Especially since you demoted him after one start last year. Right. To do that two and, years in a row would be pretty devastating. And
1: it maybe part of it too is I mean I mean it didn't really affect their decision last year, but I mean, you gotta you gotta admit it, this is the guy they gave up Starling Marte for. I mean the it, main was, piece, it was yeah. more to probably not have to pay Marte. Well the other but, piece you got was Humberto Mejia. Who was DFA'd and he's now in triple A. Ouch. I don't think he got claimed. Doesn't mean he's not gone forever, right? But... And then a irrelevant kind of pitcher in Julio uh, Frios right now, who is like a rookie ball pitcher or whatever, and a reliever. So, yeah. So, I mean, it didn't affect the decision making last year to keep him in the rotation because hey, we traded Starling Marte for him. But I don't know. I I, I just don't, I don't know. I don't know if he should stay in the rotation. I don't know if he just. I don't know if he should be removed already. But I know. I know these numbers. I'm looking at them right now. He is not good as a starter. That graphic was
0: over what time period? It just says last season. Okay, so over his career, I have his splits, starter and reliever. And they're not as dramatically different as that right there. He's been starting for a while. But over his career, when he's a reliever, cut his ERA by a run and a half. I mean, it goes down from 4.90 to 3.45. That's more than
1: respectable. And I don't know why you would ignore... Not ignore, I don't know. I don't know why you would ignore that number. Is that the the better numbers in the bullpen just to try to make him a starter, you know what I mean? Yeah, on the one hand you're trying to get more out of that trade than you I know. uh, you don't want to But it didn't stop them it didn't stop Tory last year from after what it was one start, right? Right. And they put him in the bullpen. Yeah. You're right. It was also against the Padres. We need to start (laughs) we need to we need to stop starting the season against the freaking Padres, please. Please MLB schedulers. It's been the last three freaking years it's, we've started against the freaking freaking Padres. It's still better. I'm so than, tired of them. I'm
0: it's, tired. Still better than when we started the year in Australia against the Dodgers.
1: Oh my god! Why would you bring that up?
0: Because <laughs> you were talking about the start of the oh season. Oh my god!
1: <laughs> Everything horrible happened because of Australia. Pa- Patrick Corbin had that really good year the before that, and then he. Did he have Tommy John surgery or something. I think he had Tommy John surgery in Australia. That was so bad. I stayed Didn't up. Didn't AJ Pollock get hurt that year? Was that the year? Was that he- the year he got his elbow when he slipped on home plate during the? Uh, that was Souza. Oh, that was Souza. But Pollock's injury also happened at home plate. He dove head. Yeah, first yeah, yeah, yeah. He dove head first into home. That's right. And an exhibition game right before the start of the season. Screwed and jacked up his elbow.
0: By the way, he's starting the year injured again.
1: Oh, did you see how it happened?
0: Yeah, the rounding first he, base. He was
1: tra- He was thinking about going... He was going too hard. He was thinking about going to second on a double, thought better of it, pulled up at the last second, and pulled his hamstring. He might be back soon, for all we know, but know. that's very it's AJ scary isn't it? it? I remember him getting injured, not even rounding first, but running to first base on a ground ball. He goes 110% for everything, and I, res- is, I respect it. It's admirable. That. It's yeah. admirable. But, and I it's think, a good way to get I hurt, I think though. a couple episodes ago, we you reminded me that there was talk of, like, hey, AJ... Maybe don't chill out. Don't try as hard. <laughs> don't yeah, that don't was, try hard. That
0: was a literal conversation we had here on this podcast like four or five your, years ago.
1: 80% of your trying hard is good enough. Yeah, we were like, if you just went 85%, we'd be okay <laughs> with that.
0: Like, he's so talented. AJ Pollock, if he played every single game healthy, if he played 162 games, now let's even knock that down. If he played 150 games, that's what most healthy guys play, right? I think, yeah. 150 games, AJ Pollock would be one of the top.
1: 20 to 30 players in the league. I looked it up the other day. Cause he's that good. He hasn't played in 150 games since I think 26, his all-star season. I believe been a while. 2016, I think it was his all-star season. Um, yeah. It, it's been a long time. I think the most he's played was like 117, something like that. Um, he was not very good for the Dodgers. Honestly, he played 117 games last season. Last time he
0: played, the he was only, good last
1: year. You're the right. Dodgers. The only
0: time he played 150 games, he played 157 in 2015. Was his all-star 15, year?
1: Fifteen, okay.
0: Yeah, 2016 was when he got hurt. He was 14th in that MDP, was the elbow though. injury. 14th, 14th. That's not bad. It's not bad at all. Certainly not bad.
1: No, yeah, Diamondbacks. And you want to go? Diamondbacks were not good that year. <laughs> no, um, but AJ was. Yeah, AJ was good. Um, but, He's a career 282 hitter. But yeah. That all-star season, do you see his batting average in that season? It's ridiculous. Three fifteen. It's ridiculous. On-base three sixty-seven.
0: Ridiculous. OPS eight sixty-five. Really good. Holy yeah.
1: crap! Yeah, he's a great player. Yeah, you just have to be okay he, with the fact he, that he's going to miss a quarter of the he season. Was at least. Not good for the Dodgers, but the Dodgers can afford him not being as good. You know, they can. They're the type of team where they can afford him to not play one hundred and fifty games. They didn't. I mean, they paid him what, like sixty something million dollars. And yeah, but now he's on the White Sox. Well, no, no, I'm I'm saying like he didn't have to be yeah. that good. You had Chris Taylor, who was basically
0: a bench player that could Ballinger, play every day. Benjamin, Peterson. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. They didn't
1: need him to be an all star. No. no. He was really bad in the twenty nineteen playoffs. Dave Roberts kept rolling him out there, he kept striking out. Um, what do you think? I never what do you think Caleb Smith should get another shot at starting, or do you think it should just be right back to the bullpen?
0: I think, yes, I think he should get another start, at the least one more start. Uh, he deserves that opportunity, but if I were him, and I know that he wants to be a starter, think about all the factors that go into that. A, it's pride, because yeah. you'd rather be a starter than a reliever, because he started as a starter. Mm-hmm. So to be a reliever is almost, in your mind, in a, his a demotion. Mind,
1: in his mind, I am a starting pitcher. Think about the money.
0: Yeah. Think about left handed starting pitching money. How much money did Patrick Corbin get from the Nationals? A lot. After an okay year, he got like 150 million, if I remember right. It was over 150 million. And I'm not saying Caleb Smith is in line to get 150 million, but think about the difference between a relief pitcher, an okay relief pitcher, and an okay starting pitcher. Monetarily, that's a big difference. So to be told, at I don't know what age Caleb Smith is, but to be told halfway through your career, like, hey, you might be a reliever. That could be demoralizing. But I think he should be okay with being a reliever. I hope he would be okay with it because he's good at it. He's really good at it. And they certainly need left-handed help in the bullpen. By the way, Joe Mantiplier is a left-handed reliever. He's the only Diamondback with a win so far,
1: Yeah, uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> which I find interesting. You would hope that Caleb Smith would be able to look at his numbers and be like, you know what, I'm actually pretty good at this Yeah, in the bullpen. And it allows him to be on the major a major league roster potentially. Um, by the way, Patrick Corbin got 140 million dollars over 40. six okay. years for close. the Nationals in 2019. That's still absurd. They owe him 24 million dollars next year. And thirty five million after that, he's going to be thirty four in twenty twenty four. Yeah.
0: You... Well, at least they got their title right. They na- yeah, they did. They did.
1: <laughs> yeah. They got their World Series. They I got mean, it in
0: their first season, he, and then they were like, "Oh, we're going to blow he, this up."
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just him now. Scherzer's gone. Strasburg's there. Strasburg's right? injured.
0: Okay, he's, but he's still there. Hurt. Yeah, he's there. Yeah, he's always hurt though. Juan Soto's there, but oh, no. Juan Soto. He's so good.
1: Oh, I love Juan He's Zoda. the only good player on that team. I love Juan Soto. Oh, well, Josh Bell. Josh okay. Bell. Hey, Nelson Cruz is in his age 50 season <laughs> playing there, okay? How old is he really? I think he's like 45 or 40. Really? I wow. Know. I don't know how old he is. Man, I remember I, I grew up in <laughs> Dallas. Another thing
0: I got to look up for you, Steve. I remember when he got traded from the Brewers to the Rangers and everyone was like, who is this guy? <laughs> I can't remember what trade was that. He's 41. Okay. He so turns it's... 42 in July. So you definitely embellish that but i still I'm respect it. is close
1: ish <laughs> north i'm of 40. only 9 years off.
0: right. i um, remember when he showed up to texas and we were all like, "who is this kid?" and then he started hitting home runs and we we're stick. like,
1: "oh, cool. boomstick." we're man. good with that. Yeah. yeah. they named a big old corn dog after him, didn't they? Yeah, like the, uh, it's like a foot long corn dog? yeah. or it's even more than that. oh, it's huge. i think it's, I think more it's a two than a foot. i think it's 2 foot. yeah, the boomstick. yeah. you could
0: use it literally as a baseball bat. Um, we talked about Luke Weaver, part of the equation of the uh, Goldschmidt trade. How about Carson Kelly, who today was the first position player, I believe, oh, in the entire man. league to uh, get on the mound and pitch?
1: Yeah, four games in, and the Diamondbacks already had to put a position player on the mound. Even though we have expanded rosters. Yeah, that was kind of strange. I mean, it was 10 to 1. At that point, but it was, it's it's it was strange to not have a pitcher out there because they have an off day on Monday tomorrow. And you put Kelly out there. I mean, he had a scoreless inning. <laughs> so, yeah, he I did mean, well. I'll give him that. I, yeah, I think Luke, Luke Voigt got a base hit, and then he got doubled off of first. But Cooper Hummel caught for Cooper him. Cooper Hummel played catcher. Who is capable of catcher, but not listed as yeah, a catcher at he's all. an outfielder, and I think with he can also play third a little bit. I mean, bit, you have Jose Herrera and Dalton Varsho. Varsho was in the outfield, so I get that. I think, honestly, I think the days of Dalton Varsho behind the plate are done. I think he's going to be an outfielder. You think that's over? I think, I think he's an outfielder now unless unless like Kelly gets hurt then they might move Varsho to catcher and keep Herrera as the backup catcher. See, I think maybe man this is a big maybe. I think if you if Carson Kelly heavily struggles
0: against right-handed pitching and you had a lineup cuz we know how many lefties they have, you could slide McCarthy over to center field, move Varsho to the plate and all of a sudden you've got an extra lefty in your lineup. I guess lineup. they could, yeah. You could they do that, could. but that's
1: a big if. With Paven Smith playing right field and they yeah. just replace Bar show and center with McCarthy or something. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess they could. You could do that, but,
0: but it's not a big thing. I don't think that's thing. in
1: their plans right now. No. Um Yeah, Carson Kelly <laughs> he had a rough day today too behind the plate. He he allowed two wild pitches um on back to back pitches. I mean, wild pitches are technically on the pitcher, not the catcher, but I mean, the radio broadcast pointed out like he probably could have gotten down and tried to block the two pitches that he let go by. He tried to backhand stab him, um, and two run two runs came in. So, if he had blocked those two balls, um, it might have been an eight to five loss instead of ten to five. Who knows? And he might not have had to pitch in the ninth inning. So, anyway, but yeah, it's not a good look. Not a good look. Uh, up next, two games against the Houston
0: Astros, who come to Chase Field. Um, what are you excited to or interested to see in that series?
1: Um, I am excited to see Zach Gallen on Tuesday. Um, he's going to go up against Luis Garcia, who I, did he win the rookie of the year? The AL rookie of the year? I can't remember, but he was up for it. Um, he's a really good young pitcher for the Astros. Um, but I'm excited to see Gallin. Um He had that injury in spring training early on. That's why he's technically the number five starter. Um, but he looked good in his last couple spring outings. His velocity was up to around ninety five, ninety six. Um, so he seems like he's healthy. So I am good and I want to see him pitch. I'm excited to see that. I'm also excited to see maybe not excited, but I'm intrigued to see if Bumgarner, if he can get that pitch count down a little bit, uh if he can go longer in the game on Wednesday.
0: Yeah, it's kind of an epidemic thing in baseball yeah. right now that pitchers are getting pulled early. It was only like a what two and a half weeks spring training, so something like so maybe no, a little bit longer. It was like
1: four. Well, Rob Manfred said they needed four weeks after the lockout it ended was not to get ready. Four weeks though, was it not? That's of games, I don't know of games. I don't know. Let's
0: see here. Maybe they got it all in, but I it felt expedited One, from where two, I was sitting. Three. It was a little over three weeks. Okay. But somewhat, somewhat slimmed down, and I wonder if that affects starting pitching limits. Because I mean, a lot uh, of teams have does for sure. A lot of teams have been being really conservative with pitch counts. Sean Mania had a no hitter going through seven. I was just
1: gonna say, and he gets yanked. I was just gonna say, you Darvish too. If that happens in July, Sean Mania is out there for the eighth inning. Of course, of course, he is. Yeah, Sean Mania would have finished that whole game in July. Yeah, the bullpen wouldn't have even been used. Right, I wouldn't think. I don't know. With analytics and all that, yeah. pitch counts ridiculous. Like, oh my gosh, he's about to hit 100 pitches. What do we do? Yeah, he's oh his arm's gonna fall off. He's already thrown 100 pitches. Right. Between warming up between innings, every time the bullpen, yeah. he can throw. He's not like 50 years old. I I don't know. That's that was very get off my lawn of me right there. There was, and I'm not even old. It. I'm not like <laughs> I'm not even an old guy. I'm 29 years old. Yeah. Not for much longer. I'll be 30
0: soon. You're no Nelson Cruz, that's for sure. (laughs) Uh, By the way,
1: thousand years old. Yeah.
0: By the way, Randy Orosarena won the Rookie of the Year. He was
1: technically a rookie last year? Technically. Even though he He had the greatest postseason of all time. He didn't play enough games in 2020.
0: Yeah, got it. Yeah, he hit 274, 20 homers, and uh, 69 RBIs. Very good. Doesn't sound like much. Um, Jonathan India was Rookie of the Year in the National League. Yeah. Pretty good year over there as well. By the way, uh, the Rookie of the Year this year played today had a fantastic day for my cleveland guardians and oh. i'm just gonna say it i told you before the season started i was going to pick up a if, player in fantasy baseball you all can just see how much i rolled my eyes uh, just i now. am going to rub it in your face i told you i would pick up a player you've never heard of that part was true I've never heard of him and that he was going to be the best player on my team his name is steven kwan Today, he went five for five with a walk. <laughs> he is eight of ten in his first ten oh at-bats this season. Oh, my gosh. He's tearing the cover off the ball. <laughs> Stephen Kwan, keep that name in mind. So ends my Fine. rant. So do we ends always my have gloating. to talk
1: about the Guardians every episode now? No, 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 we do not. We have but to talk about Kwan every we time? We have to
0: talk about how prophetic I am okay, and how great. I got that right. And at the end of the season, you're going to rue the day that I got Stephen Kwan. Just mark it down. Okay. All right, so up next for the Diamondbacks, two games against the Houston Astros. Do we know who's after that? They go on the road
1: to the New York Mets the New and York the Mets. Washington Nationals
0: as well. All right, so some teams that you don't see a whole lot of necessarily. Um, interested to see, like you mentioned, Zach Gallen. Um, We'll keep an eye on all things Diamondbacks as they take on the Astros at Chase Field this week. We thank you so much for checking out the podcast. I'm Steve Zinsmeister, Cody Fincher as well. You have been listening to the Ain't No Fang podcast here at ArizonaSports.com. on the Arizona Sports app.